Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, a podcast that takes just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. I'm Dan Primack. We don't usually do a Friday show, but there isn't usually a development so squarely in our wheelhouse as Amazon's decision to bail on its planned HQ2 facility in New York. So here we are. It also means a different format, as we'll bypass most of my usual chatter and go directly to our two guests, Axios reporters David McCabe and Erica Pandy. So McCabe, I wrote this morning in the ProRata newsletter that it was capricious of Amazon, the decision, and that a company like Amazon that's so used to being loved lashed out when criticized. Am I wrong? I think that they were absolutely responding to the criticism. I think what they would say is that their concern was that basically this would always be true, that people would always, the same people would always be angry at them, that they would never be able to catch a break from local lawmakers. But I think the optics are undeniable. This is one of the most valuable companies in the world, owned by one of the richest people in the world, essentially saying, we're done. We got yelled at during a couple city council hearings. We think this is untenable and we're out. Erica, you're in New York right now. You were on the street in Queens yesterday to kind of do some man on the street sort of reaction. What was the reaction? Was there a consensus? Some people were happy to see Amazon go. Some people were furious that Amazon did this. The one thing I noticed across the board was just total whiplash. I was quite literally breaking the news to so many of these people. I went there an hour after the statement came out and I said, Amazon's leaving. Do you have anything to say? And they're like, what? They're leaving? What? I thought they were just here. What's going on? The president of the Tennis Association, Amazon was going to be neighbors with the nation's largest housing project. And she was furious. She was saying that they completely blindsided us. No one's happy about how it played out and how quickly it all happened. You know, it was maybe like three or four days Days ago, the first reports came that Amazon might be bailing on New York City. And I, I think I even tweeted, you know, they doth protest too much. I, I didn't think it was serious. McCabe, how does this come about so fast? And, and give any of the backstory on how quick this came together. So this was by the scale of even the HQ2 search, which took a basically a year and a half to settle on Arlington, Virginia, New York City, and Nashville as these office locations. This was extremely fast. What we had heard was that essentially these serious conversations around, do we pull out? Do we basically pull back from our commitments that we've made to lawmakers, to the city, to the people of New York? That those started really in the last two weeks. And that would have been after a pretty contentious second city council hearing, where some Amazon executives just got hit again and again by members of the city council, who of course have been cut out. Did they not expect that? Go back, you know, six months and and John Oliver did a whole piece on these corporate tax breaks and and kind of so Amazon had to kind of know that was coming. I I live in Boston when GE got a smaller but similar sort of deal. There was tons of local blowback in large part because it was negotiated behind closed doors and everybody learns about the deal after the deal is signed. Amazon's supposed to be this kind of savvy company with these smart political operators. How the hell did they not see this coming? Yeah, I mean, that's what's stunning about this is that they didn't, in all of the time they spent vetting this deal, talking to local officials at all, predict that this would happen, and that they didn't, frankly, see two things, that there was a rising tide of progressivism that sees these deals and companies like Amazon as a real problem and a real symptom of a system that's stacked against working people and the actual anger that fuels that movement. And maybe third, they didn't see how savvy that movement was at using social media and traditional media to make their points. And so I think I was really shocked that this has played out the way it did and that they they didn't anticipate that this would be a problem politically in New York, a city that is a traditionally progressive city, a city whose politics are traditionally pretty rough and tough to cut out lawmakers who already have a base that might be predisposed to be a little skeptical of this deal was pretty surprising. Eric, the part of it that seems so bizarre to this, it doesn't appear that there was really negotiation. So I'm curious that thing you said about the woman who runs the Tenants Association. It appears that Amazon does its deal, obviously negotiates the deal. And in the last couple 
couple of weeks. There's some hearings, but it's not like the folks who were opponents to this and Amazon sat down to try to hash out their differences and come to a compromise. I'm not sure what she was referring to. I'm sure that, you know, some representative from Amazon were at the table and they were talking jobs for local community members. What was surprising to me on, on the same note is Senator Michael Janaris, who is probably the most vocal opponent of the deal in the New York State Senate, had been, you know, kind of openly saying that the deal should be killed. And if you look at his statement after it ended, it was not as celebratory as AOC. He was saying, you know, today shows why Amazon would be a good neighbor instead of negotiating. They went away, which makes me think that maybe the New York State Senate kind of overplayed its hand a little bit. They're as surprised as anyone else that Amazon's leaving and not kind of giving back some of the incentives or negotiating. I don't think they thought that Amazon was going to just pull the plug like that. The cover of, I think it's the Daily News this morning, is Amazon Killers, and it's Michael Giannaris and some other critics of the deal. AOC is on there. To Giannaris's credit, he went on TV this morning. Where the hell is Amazon? Amazon has not, certainly Jeff Bezos has not been out there talking about this. And in fact, I have not seen, and of course, I can't watch every cable channel all at once and read every interview, but I have not seen Jay Carney, who's the top policy exec, out there talking about this. Jay Carney did call Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, and then Bill de Blasio, the mayor, hours before this went public and said, we're out. And, you know, the sense that I got was that that conversation, to Erica's point, really was, we're out. This isn't a renegotiation. This isn't a gambit. Like, we're done. It doesn't appear that Bezos showed up, right? This is a guy who has traveled, hell, I remember him traveling to India a year or two ago to to announce a big investment there. This is his company. This is his deal. Why didn't he show up at the New York City Council or or in, in the back rooms to try to renegotiate this? smooth things over. He was missing an action. The truth is that Jeff Bezos is not someone who engages, even though they're a company that has built a pretty robust political operation. Bezos is not someone who gets super involved. When he's here in Washington, it's usually because of the Washington Post or something else. So, I mean, it really, I think Jay Carney was <laughs> given it to some extent, the responsibility of being the public face of this deal, as was Brian Huseman, who's their head of big policy executive here in Washington. And so Bezos, I mean, this is he has just never put himself out there to be the totem for their policy and political fights. Sort of have to wonder what would have happened if he had showed up in the city council and parrot things. Kind of the job of the CEO, right? When there's a big fire, come and put it out. Use your star power and smile and impress everybody. Erica, for you, I'm wondering when the deal was first announced, there were all these stories about this kind of uh, buying spree in Queens, kind of speculative buying spree of condos and, and other sorts of properties. You, you heard about some local business owners talking about making investments. And then there was actually a report in January that suggested that that was kind of just a, a few one-off flurries and that there wasn't really a major change in real estate locally. Do you get any sense in Queens if there's a feeling that from an economic perspective that this is an actual loss. In other words, if people spent money, they are going to lose or simply they are not going to get the future benefit, if that dichotomy makes sense. So I was talking to mainly, you know, people who are living in that project uh, who were terrified that their rents were going to go up. I looked at a Douglas Elliman report earlier yesterday and it said that rents hadn't actually gone up. I'm not quite sure what the political fallback is going to be. You know, there, there, we did hear stories of people buying like million dollar condos in Long Island City. Bad investment. Yeah. It's true, though, that there have been a slew of new businesses that are coming to that area. I think that area is going to invariably, unfortunately, lean towards gentrification no matter what, though Amazon would have gotten it there much faster. Well, Michael Gennaro said this morning that if you're in Long Island City, there's a crane on every corner. You were just in Long Island City. True? Absolutely. Yeah, very true. Let's talk a little bit about kind of what this means for Amazon, right? For either of you, is there any reason to believe, you know, there's going to be people who are upset in New York City. This is obviously, it makes them look kind of foolish. Again, this idea you spend a year and a half working on this big strategic a goal that you just kind of throw away after two weeks because some people yelled at you. But is this going to have any impact on Amazon's business? Are people going to stop going online and buying packages from Amazon, say, in New York City because they're pissed? I think 
Amazon is a lot stickier than that. I do think some of the effect we see will look maybe a little bit like Uber. Maybe Jet.com is going to start becoming more popular, especially among socially conscious millennials who, who care about stuff like this. I do think Amazon is like invariably staring down a crisis of reputation. There's look like there's any turning back at this point. There's a real question for my reporting going forward of does this now signal to Democrats and to the left and from, from the base on up, right, from, from voters and, and people who just care a lot about this on up to elected, maybe even presidential candidates. Does this sort of act as blood in the water for them and, and signal like, actually, like you can go after Amazon? You can go after them, but to what end exactly? That, that's the part I don't get, David. And I take the AOC criticism, for example. I understand going after Amazon for the purpose of negotiating and getting a better deal for the taxpayers and, and for the local economies and for transit, et cetera. I don't understand the opposition for the sake of we don't want you here, period. End of story. There's a long tradition, I think, in this country of using corporate entities sometimes as economic villains. And I think that that may be where this is headed. I think we've written a little bit about how they they sort of have started to occupy the same place in the progressive imagination as Walmart did about 10 years ago. So I think, you know, there's certainly the people who are dealing directly with Amazon, these local officials who, as you pointed out, like may have adopted some of this as a negotiating position. But I also think there are people who just think that Amazon's power is a failure of the economy to work the way it should to support working people. And that is a case they can make without ever having to negotiate with Amazon for anything. The Amazon experience in New York City, does that impact going forward the next beauty contest between corporations and and local and and state governments? Well, right here in New York, a couple of uh, state lawmakers have already introduced a bill that would kind of ban this kind of taxpayer-funded company-specific tax break in the future in New York. And they're kind of calling on Twitter for other states to join the site. But, you know, I don't think so. I think that governors and mayors are still going to want to do something dramatic to get companies to come. And I think that we saw when there was blood in the water in New York, as David said, Dallas was kind of getting excited. Chicago was getting excited. Connecticut mayor tweeted, come to us. So, you know, Amazon still has plenty of places that would welcome them with open arms and give them money for it. Thank you very much to Erica Pandy and David McCabe. And we are done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers, Adam Grassi and Tim Shovers, have a great national gumdrop day. And we'll be back on Tuesday with another Pro Rata podcast. 